All content discussed on Hypochondriactor are the individual opinions of Dr. Priyanka Wally and Sean Hayes and should not be construed as personalized medical advice. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. I'm Dr. Priyanka Wally, medical doctor and stand-up comedian. And I'm Sean Hayes, actor and hypochondriac. It's safe to say that I'm not America's first hypochondriac, but I am America's first hypochondriactor. Hi, Priyanka. And we're back, Sean Hayes. Actor Sean Hayes. Actor. I love that you have to say actor. (laughs) One time I was on The View. Like, this is years and years and years ago. And one of the ladies there, who hasn't been there for years, I can't remember who it was, mm-hmm. there's a big article about can gay people play straight and can straight people play gay? Like, is it okay for... And and she goes, well, uh, Sean, you're a gay actor. And now, and I was like, well, I don't say you're a straight yeah. rep- person. Like, it's yeah. so weird. You're just an actor. Isn't it funny how we have to label people in order to... Yeah. Sort make of sense. make ourselves a little bit more comfortable, right? Like yeah. it was just easier in that moment for her to label you in that way. But we don't understand the the implications of those labels and how how far it takes things. So that's quite silly. Did you tell me this story because you want me to be like, hey, everyone, it's gay actor Sean Hayes? <laughs> Is that was that the point of this no, story? The opposite. Oh my god! Oh That's my so funny. Goodness. Hey, so look, funny. I haven't spoken to you in forever. I've, I know. How have you been? Do you recognize please me? Please understand that I always want to text you, and I intentionally don't because I'm like, we will talk about it on the show. Yeah. Do I look different at all? I'm back home now. Have we talked yes. since I'm back yes. home? We talked when you came back home. So you've yeah. been in LA, and yeah. how is life readjusting back home? Oh well, thank you for asking, Priyanka. <laughs> It is. It is. It's quite lovely. You know, it it does take a while for the circadia circadian what circadian you rhythm. Yeah, circadian mm-hmm. rhythm. I always think of cicadas. Like I yeah. live with a bunch of cicadas. The rhythm yeah. of the cicadas. But it took a while to get into, and it still kind of totally. feels like. Why is it so weird just to take one or two or three hours away from your body? Isn't it amazing how sensitive yeah. we are to just those slight shifts? I know. Why is which that? Which is, I mean. I, I've never asked you how you feel about daylight saving times, but I it's gonna it's going away, it. right? I can't. Well, even. hopefully it's going away, right? They're voting on it, or I think it's going to, or they started the process. No, I read uh, somewhere that it already happened that we're not doing it anymore, starting like in a year or two. In a year or two, so we still have two years where we have to or a year go maybe. through it. I'm like, what are we waiting for? Why do we have to wait? I mean, yeah, we should just do it. Do you know, Sean, that around the time daylight savings happens? There are more accidents. There are more motor vehicle accidents. There are because the more sun's heart in your attacks. eyes. Um, beca- and and no, it's because the the time change stresses people out so oh, much. But I have to tell you, when I'm driving, the sun's right in my fucking eyes. But that's going to happen regardless of daylight savings. That's just yeah. You you know about look at the, the thing light that follows put, me. The light follows the light me wherever follows I go. You, that's, that's it. What I'm You're saying. just in the spotlight all the time. <laughs> I was just going to say, I am so against daylight savings. Yeah. I know this well, isn't a clear. political we know podcast or whatever, but I'm yeah. <laughs> not for daylight savings. Can you imagine if we get tons of backlash? People are like, how dare you speak about daylight savings time? Just click. That's okay. I'm willing to risk that. That would be the weirdest reason to get canceled. Can you imagine getting canceled over daylight savings? No. Heckling us. Wait, have you ever been heckled? During a set? Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. What's the worst one? You know who really... I've gotten heckled the most by, like, Indian dads. 
Why? Why? Because you're a successful Indian woman? I honestly... How I, dare you? I must trigger something in older Indian dads. I remember the one time I got heckled the worst, this Indian dad came up to me and he he was inebriated. He came up <laughs> to me after and he was like, you know, you really shouldn't say those things. And his kids were like, we are so sorry. Please excuse yeah. our dad. Like, dad, shut up. The, he wasn't yeah, Indian. Was he, he, was, he wasn't Indian. He was Irish and it was my father. And it was your father. I, was, I know. That's how this his. podcast started, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, guess who we're going to talk to today? Oh my gosh. We're talking to Jay Shetty. Jay Shetty, life coach extraordinary. He used to be a monk. What? I know. How did he become a monk and why? to ask him about life in the monastery. I'm so excited. So before we get to Jay, let's get to our first phone call. Let's listen to Andrea. Mm. Hi, Sean and Dr. Wally. My name is Andrea, and I love your podcast. Dr. Mm -hmm. Wally, I love your wisdom and your empathy, which is mixed perfectly with your sense of humor. And Sean, I'm your biggest fan. I live Uh in Maine and traveled to see Goodnight Oscar last weekend and could (gasps) not have been more impressed. You are a gift to us all, so thank you. Okay, so here's my story. I'm 52 years old. At work, I would always take the stairs. Eight flights. But I noticed after doing this for several months, I was just as out of breath after doing it daily as I was day one and would have to stop midway like just to catch mm-hmm. my breath. Mm-hmm. Also, whenever I was a passenger in a car, I always fell asleep if the ride was any longer than 15 minutes. And I mean deep sleep. I never made a connection between the two until during my drive home from work, which was about 45 minutes. I found myself close to nodding off at the wheel. The final straw was when I was about five minutes from my house and I jerked myself awake while heading towards a tree. I was seen by my PCP the next day and he ordered a full cardiac workup. I did a stress test on a treadmill, which thankfully was normal. Then I was sent for a pulmonary function test when the respiratory therapist said to me, so what brings you in for this? So thankfully that was normal. Last resort, a sleep study. They now have a way where you can do this at home and not have to go to a sleep lab. I'm like, there's no way. I don't snore. I don't have headaches when I wake up. Sure enough, 10 sleep apneic episodes an hour later, Mm. I scored myself a sweet CPAP machine. It took quite a while to adjust to, but now I can drive two hours to Boston to see my besties from high school without a worry. I learned not all diagnoses fit the textbook description, especially um, for such an underdiagnosed syndrome. But listen, thanks, you guys, and bye. Uh, that's so sweet. First of all, she needs to read commercials. I know, right? This is like a storytelling show. I know. It's like told perfectly. She's like, and then what was I going to do? But wait, there's more. Then I, I took a sleep study. She's great. That was great. Yeah, these calls, Sean, they're getting better and better. I know. I love they're it. They're just getting more so, and more But wait, intense. she said she was exhausted from taking the stairs. I'm exhausted from taking the elevator. I mean- <laughs> Seriously, I get it. And I was like, God, that was a lot. Yeah. But I don't understand. So what is it? Like, then she started falling asleep and it was because of sleep apnea. She was lack of sleep. I didn't understand. So she's talking about obstructive sleep apnea. So what happens during obstructive sleep apnea when you sleep at night and you're not doing anything, you're not using your muscles because you're sleeping and you're lying flat. The muscles in your pharynx, which contain your tongue, basically relax and the pharynx collapses during your sleep. If you're on your back. If you're lying flat on your back, that's correct. And it basically cuts off your oxygen supply 
and you temporarily stop breathing. That's what apnea stands for. Nea, P-N-E-A, is the Latin word for breathe, and A, P-N-E-A, A means the opposite of. So apnea means stop, you're not breathing anymore. Oh, look at that. Who knew that? Yeah, so obstructive sleep apnea is when you stop breathing in your sleep due to some kind of obstruction in your airway. In this case, yeah. it's the pharynx or, or your, your tongue. Or vomit if you drank too much. I mean, that's called aspiration, actually. <laughs> so... Yeah. So here's the thing about untreated sleep apnea. A lot of people don't realize that it's a serious medical yeah. issue that can lead to heart attacks, strokes, right, right, diabetes, right. high blood pressure. And, you know, a lot of times people think, oh, you're snoring. That's no big deal. But no, if you're snoring, you really do need to get screened for sleep apnea because it could be a sign of something else. But then nothing works. OK, so here's the deal. Like, I thought I had it. And then I took like I got the CPAP stupid oh. you know, Darth Vader machine. I had it years and years ago because I got I got sold one. You know, I got it was like a car salesman. It's like, hey, so I hold think on, you need hold this. On, hold on. Did you actually do a sleep study? Yes, years and years ago. And you did a home sleep study or you went to a lab and you stayed there I went overnight. to a stupid lab where <laughs> it can't be real because you're sleeping in someone else's bed. Like, none of it's... And then they hook you up to 75 wires. Right, and you're so like, of course well, you're not going to sleep well. Yes, it's so dumb. <laughs> so tell me, so then you got a CPAP machine and did you wear it? Yes, and I, I got talked into buying a CPAP machine. I yeah. wore it for like... I don't understand how anybody could sleep with that on. It's not comfortable. But here's the thing. What happened then? Did you stop wearing it? Or yes, what I stopped wearing it and I slept like a baby. And you sleep fine now. We'll see. Yeah. Okay, but here, here's the thing. When you have sleep apnea and you use a CPAP machine, the CPAP machine needs to be recalibrated over yeah. time. Because yeah. what the CPAP is doing is blowing air into your mouth. Yeah. And over time, your body's going to change with that. I'd rather ride on a roller coaster with my <laughs> mouth open. I mean, that's that's what it oh feels like. Oh, my goodness. That's so do you, like. do you still snore or do you, did yes. you never snore? Okay. So okay. I snore a little bit now. Okay, I see. And yeah. then um, what about, did you have other signs of sleep apnea? Like you'd wake up in the morning with headaches or anything like that? Yeah, like wake up like you didn't sleep. That's me every yeah. day. Okay. That's every okay. day. But now you're good. Let me just clarify. Yeah, and you're I'm, good? I don't know. I never sleep <laughs> oh, anyway. Oh, Sean. <laughs> I mean, it's about Andrea, not about me. Uh, the next message is from someone named Kara. Let's hear what she says. Hi, Dr. Wally and Sean. My name is Kara, and I'm from Colorado. Um, I just love this show. Thanks so much for doing it. It makes our oh. family of medical marvels feel less like a freak show. So thank you for doing this. Uh, I have a weird story about spleens. Um, when oh. In 2015, when my son was nine, uh, he began complaining of shoulder pain. Uh, we're the you're fine, shake it off version of parents, so we really didn't think much of it. He's an active kid. I assumed he pulled a muscle or something. Over the next few days, he kept complaining about it. And one morning, he came downstairs crying, saying that he really had not been able to sleep at all because he couldn't get comfortable. So I knew we needed to call the doctor. Uh, we had just moved to Colorado. I didn't have a pediatrician yet. Uh, so I just looked up who took our insurance and made an appointment. Uh, when we got there, I basically told the doctor, you know, I'm sure he's fine. He probably strained something when he was playing baseball. But thankfully, she was very thorough and she did a full physical exam. When she had him lay on his back to feel his stomach, I could tell that something was wrong. She told me that his spleen felt very large and she wanted to get some imaging. 
Long story short, after an x-ray and a CT scan, it was discovered that he had a grapefruit-sized mass on his spleen. Wow. The shoulder pain he was experiencing was referred pain from the phrenic nerve, which the growth was pressing on. Um, That was his only symptom. Mm. He had surgery to remove the mass, which thankfully turned out to be uh, something called a benign epithelial cyst. Mm-hmm. They also wow. removed half his spleen with the hope that the remaining spleen could function as normal. Uh, unfortunately, about six months later, he started describing the same pain in his shoulder. Oh my God. We went back to the doctor and they discovered that the cyst had regrown. Uh, so we had to take out his entire spleen. He's now 15 and doing great. We just have to be really careful about immunizations, uh, making sure he gets them um, and being careful about infection and fevers. I'm so grateful for the thoroughness of his doctor who didn't dismiss his symptoms like I did. Yeah. Uh, thank you again wow. for doing this show and have a great day. Oh, wow. wow what Kara. a story. Heart stopping story. My gosh. Well, it's a spleen stopping story is what spleen it is. Spleen stopping. Spleen is such a funny thing because it's a, it's such a joke word, like the yeah. word chicken spleen. or something. Like, <laughs> you know, oh my God, I hurt my spleen. But what does the spleen do? I asked you that like months and months ago because nobody ever talks about it. Yeah, no, it's, it's the largest lymphatic organ in the body. So basically your blood, it flows through your spleen and the spleen cleans it of microorganisms. So it, it wow. stores the blood and it destroys worn out red blood cells. And then what does it do with the destroyed cells? Does it sell it them just, on the side? Does it sell them right, on the black market? Yeah, it has a whole black market that it works <laughs> out. Yeah. But so it's, you know, obviously if you lose your spleen or you get it taken out, you won't die, but it will put you at risk of certain infections that you otherwise wouldn't have to worry about. Oh, because about. now so, you don't have the thing cleaning out the thing. Exactly. So there's right. certain immunizations that you need to get if you get your spleen out for uh, pneumococcal, meningococcal, haemophilus vaccinations, those are all really important vaccines that you mm-hmm. need to get if you get your spleen taken out. One of those like flu stuff that you just rattled off there? They're different. Like a uh, pneumococcal is for the strep pneumonia in bacteria. These oh, are all wow. for bacterial. So meningococcal is for Neisseria meningococcal. These are all bacteria. Haemophilus okay, is it. a bacteria. So, got it. So basically it's it's specific type of bacteria. It's called encapsulated bacteria. They're special <laughs> little structures. But, Speaking of, yeah. like, so is somebody like that more susceptible to pneumonia? It, yeah, that can increase your risk of developing pneumococcal pneumonia. So yeah. should I or this kid when he gets older, Kara's son, should we get the pneumonia vaccine? Yeah, so for example, Kara's son probably already has the pneumococcal vaccine. And you, I think you're going to get it when you're in your 60s, oh. if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, okay. But, I was but basically get it anyone that's had their spleen taken out for any reason are at increased risk lifelong for sepsis from these specific encapsulated bacteria. Let me ask you this. What do yeah. people do like when they take spleens or appendix or whatever out? What yeah. do they do with it? You just throw in the trash? I mean, you do a song and dance and then yeah. you go home. But <laughs> <laughs> what actually happens in medicine is you first take it to the pathology lab and you get a pathologist to look at it under the microscope. Yeah, but come on, what do they do? They check. They're like, okay, it's just an appendix. Or they're like, wait, there's an appendix plus like, I don't know, cancer or something. No, like, sure. go back in, get That's this That's all good out. and they should do that. But then what do they do with the- And then when, when you're actually done, they save the material for, you know, whatever the hospital protocol is, maybe a week, two weeks, whatever- and then they destroy it. Like it gets like incinerated eventually. Oh, so they just, they literally don't throw it in the trash. So like <laughs> if they take the garbage out, somebody couldn't pick through there and be like, oh, here's a spleen. No, here's no, no, a heart, no. You can't just like find people's 
appendices. That would be really weird. That would you know, be really, to be yeah, like, well. hey, look what I found. No, but you know what's really interesting about this story? So first of all, I love this story because this is an example of a not missed medical diagnosis. Like Kara brought her son to the doctor and we hear so many stories where it's like the doctor missed this, but this is an example where the doctor actually was like, Hey, there's something here. Like the job was actually done. Yeah. So I think that's really cool. Well, what happened the first time that the kids, the the first time what happened? So the kid had shoulder pain. This is what's super interesting. Like, so the spleen is right next to your diaphragm, which is the muscle that's important for breathing and singing. and and yeah, exactly. I'm and basically your livelihood is all diaphragmatic. Yes. Sure, for sure. And there's a nerve that runs from your neck down to your diaphragm. It innervates the diaphragm. It's called the phrenic nerve. I'll say. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so what happened is that this spleen had this cyst that was so big That's what, that it hit the diaphragm, which activated the phrenic the nerve. nerve. And it went Which up to the shoulder. Went up to the shoulder. Oh, I yeah, have shoulder pain. Wild? I have shoulder pain. Could I have wow. a spleen problem? No. I mean, when but you've had so many CAT scans. I I'm know. sure I, your spleen came up. I mean, if there was a cyst in the spleen, we would know by we now. We would know. You know. Okay, because mine's in the nerves in my neck. Look at me turning around, yeah. making it by myself. I know. It I love be it. About, I mean, it's about a, Karen or son. That's a skill. <laughs> you know, they have this T-shirt. Like, have you seen that T-shirt? Let's turn the conversation back to me. <laughs> yeah, sadly, I don't need a T-shirt for that to tell me that. All right, so Kara, thank you thank for your you, story Kara. and calling in. We really, really loved it. Guys, keep them coming. The number to leave us a message is 1-323-529-6031. 1-323-529-6031. Keep sharing your stories. We love it. Let's get to our guest. We are supported by Helix Sleep. So I recently received my Helix mattress, and honestly, I'm loving it. It's such a comfortable mattress to use. It's just a huge upgrade over what I used to have. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the mattress perfect for you. Everybody's unique, and Helix knows that, so they have several different mattress models to choose from. I took the Helix quiz, and I was matched with the perfect mattress because I wanted something that was medium because I also sleep on my back. I took the Helix quiz and I was matched with the perfect mattress for me. It's soft, but it's still really supportive and I'm sleeping well. So if you're looking for a mattress, you take the quiz, you order the mattress you're matched to, and the mattress comes right to your door shipped for free. You don't ever need to go to a mattress store again. Just go to helixsleep.com slash hypo, take their two minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10 year warranty and you get to try it out for a hundred nights risk free. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash hypo. We are supported by Athletic Greens. I love Athletic Greens. I started taking it quite a while ago. I like it because I like better gut health. It really helps with that. And it helps my immune system. And knowing that makes me already feel better even before taking it than after taking it. I know I've solved all my issues. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. I also love it because of the convenience. I know I always talk about that, but it's so good when you're on the run and you're 
you go, go, go. It's so convenient and it tastes so good. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash hypo. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash hypo to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Our guest today is a best-selling author, a life coach, and former Hindu monk, which I auditioned for but didn't get the part. <laughs> uh, through his podcast, On Purpose, he makes wisdom go viral. It's the incredible Jay Shetty. Jay, welcome. <laughs> welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you. Uh, thanks so much for having me. That that has to be the most electrifying uh, yeah. Zoom entrance I've ever had in my That's entire life. That's exactly <laughs> right. That's how we do it. <laughs> Good luck on the rest of your shows because it's not going to go this well. It's never going to feel the same. We could finish now nothing will ever top this jay <laughs> this is so great by the way it's so nice to meet you this is so cool i read yeah. all about you and i i just first of all we have to start talk about your podcast on purpose with jay shetty how did you start it why did you start it what's the main focus yeah well first of all it's such a pleasure to meet you both really grateful for this opportunity to yeah. to sit and talk with you so yes on purpose began in february 2019 so it's just been over three years yeah. And the real intention and goal with the podcast was I was having all these fascinating conversations offline with friends, people in my life, my, my wife who has been one of the guests on the episodes. Mm -hmm. And I just thought to myself that some of the depths and layers that these conversations get to go to, I wish other people could hear them. And often me and my friends would say that because we were able to create this really safe space where mm -hmm. People could open up and share things yeah. that they were struggling with and giving people a space to share things that they don't often get to share on a three minute TV interview or a, right. or right. a four minute, you know, special in the evening or whatever it may be. And so I just felt that people were so much more deeper, so much more layered, so much more textured. Mm -hmm. And I wish yeah. they had a space to talk about their purpose. I'd kill to meet some of them. Yeah. And I think you're really naming the key to opening up and vulnerability is creating a sense of safety. I'm curious, what are some of the components and ways that you create safety in that sort of setting? Oh, look at you. Well, with the smart questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first thing, the first thing that I do, which actually I don't think I've ever talked about this before. I have an intention that I set with every guest before we go live and this is never recorded. It's, it's not on any of the episodes, but my intention to every guest is that I believe that the people who truly know them, love them. And my intention is that after this podcast, hopefully more people will know them and love them more deeply. Uh, and so I think setting an intention at the beginning, that's just mine. That doesn't have to be anyone else's. But I think setting an intention really creates a safe space because it sets the tone wow. of what this conversation is going to be like. Yeah, and for that'll sure. Be that'll be the first thing. Uh, the second thing that I think creates a safe space is knowing where someone doesn't want to go and where they're comfortable going. Yeah. I think, you know, sometimes trying to force people to go into a direction that they're not comfortable in with you actually yeah. creates more defensiveness throughout the whole conversation and sure i feel like you're hitting on me right now 
<laughs> like you want me to go to some place that's safe and you're going to bring yeah. me there. <laughs> Jay, that's stupid. Wait, Jay, that's really cool. Like, do you ever get the first thing I thought of when you were just talking about that at the end of the day, are you exhausted because what it requires for you to be so focused and into other people, <laughs> like you just explained and try to just be present yeah. and interested like for a long lengthy time <laughs> is that what being like being a monk taught you and all of that i want to get into that too is like because i don't know you i just met you i'm fascinated by you why how when all those questions about being a monk <laughs> well well first of all i'd say that i can only do two interviews in a day i've never done more than mm. that in terms of back to back that's I what just, i'm saying it's got to be I like i can't it's not possible for me to yeah. To sit that presently, uh, being a monk, we used to sit in silence or in meditation from four to eight hours, depending on the day and depending on the mm -hmm. meditation. So that practice wow. is highly useful. Uh, but at the same time, I do find that holding space for someone, I can only do two in a day. So That's we've right. never done, we've never done three. We've never actually tried yeah, uh, I, I became a monk because, and, and this is partly anything that's interesting about me is because I met lots of interesting people. And mm -hmm. I think that's partly what I try and do with the podcast as well, is that I think today we're highly exposed to a limited group of people and a limited number of people. Mm -hmm. and what does that mean? You're highly exposed to a limited what I mean people. is that we're overexposed to a certain group of people that everyone is constantly exposed to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, a certain good. group of celebrities or athletes got it, got or whatever it. it may be. Yeah. And we rarely get to learn something new about them or we rarely get to learn about someone new, right? Those are the two things. We rarely right. get to learn something new about someone we hear all the time that's useful right. Right. or we rarely get to meet someone new. And when I was 18 years old, I met a monk. Now, I didn't know what a monk was. I wasn't spiritual or religious. I didn't want to be a monk at the time. I wasn't interested in meeting a monk. But I find there's something really fascinating about meeting someone that is so alien to your current experience of life. Yes, that's what I'm saying. That's, I love that. Yeah. And so and for you have, me, that's, it's about staying curious too. Sorry. Absolutely. No, no, no. Absolutely. You're, you're spot on. Like, so for me, I met a monk when I was 18 and I was completely uninterested, skeptical, not, didn't really care, to be honest. But I think that exposure and hear him speak about service, hear him speak about using our gifts and skills to improve the lives of other people, hearing yeah. him talk about how the greatest gift in humanity is what you can give to others. And to hear him talk about those ideas, I had never heard anyone at 18 years old talk about any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yes, because we all kind of know that in our heads. We all have heard that our whole lives. It's better to give than to receive. It's better to, everything you just said, whatever falls under that umbrella, but then to physically or actively put it into action, right, is, is another thing. And it takes a lot to yes. come to that that realization that, oh, wow, this takes effort to be there for others, to give to others, right? Yes, and, and also to see someone who is genuinely living that with their entire life. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't an add-on or a, or, a, or, a, or a quote that he was sharing. It was, it was his life. Like, that's what he dedicated his life to. And so for me, I think that anything that I've learned that's fascinating is by being exposed to people that are fascinating and mm. beyond your natural echo chamber. And I think echo chambers today have become so prominent and powerful that you have to work really, really hard to meet someone who's outside of your echo chamber. Mm. 
Yeah. Can we back up a little bit? So how does an 18-year-old actually meet a monk? What was the context? I mean, what what happened? Like, a monk walks in a bar. That's and right. Just... There's a little club. It's in West Hollywood. And it's called, and you'd think they'd call it something else, but it's called Monkey bu- monkey Business. Monkey oh, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That was it. That's the one. That's the one. We oh, had man, a... I really have to go there. <laughs> we had a sister club in London called, yeah, similar. Yeah. Uh, no, it was, I used to go, so this is before podcasting, before you YouTube. I would yeah. love going in. I, I grew up in, born and raised in London. I used to love going to events in the city and I had events at my college. Uh, and so okay. we'd have speakers that would come to our college. We'd have everyone from entrepreneurs to CEOs, to athletes, to celebrities. And I would go and listen because I was fascinated by learning from people always. And that's when yeah. a monk was invited to speak this monk that I met called Goranga Das. And I put, I had no idea what to expect or what he was going to talk about. And my friends kind of forced and persuaded me to go along and uh-huh. I ended up feeling really moved. So that's how it happened. Got it. Okay. So let me ask you this. I'm like you. I don't know that I was like you at 18, but I'm more like you now than I was at 18. But what makes an 18 year old's brain mm-hmm. click into, I'm curious about what all of these people have to say. I'm curious about how other people live and other people's experience where most kids aren't like that. And why aren't they like that? And how do we make them more like that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what was interesting is I grew up really not liking fiction books. So I don't think I read a book until I was 14. Oh, wow. And I really didn't wow. enjoy fiction books at school and I wouldn't identify with them. I couldn't read them. I didn't, I didn't get excited about it. And my parents were worried that their son didn't read. And uh, I'm sure, Paranka, you can agree that Indian parents are very worried when their kids are not academically performing. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I so, had to become a doctor to do this <laughs> fucking podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, so for me, that was the worry. And, and then my, my dad started handing me biographies and it was a, it was a masterful you know, it was just masterful. So to open up your brain, you're like, this is my amazing because it's I, I real read, and like, it's true. Yeah, I was reading Martin Luther King and Malcolm X by the time yeah. I was 16, 17 years old. Wow. And Interesting. I was just like, wow, these people are incredible. And like, they did this amazing thing. So something, yeah. yeah. So it's in the DNA. Something clicked in you that, yeah. but I just feel like most kids are like, I just made a TikTok video. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's true. So I really want to ask you about life in the monastery. So first of all, you stayed there for a three-year stint, full, completely. So, I mean, what did you do the night before you joined the monastery for three years? I mean, yeah. was there, yeah, what, I mean. <laughs> that's a great You got all your masturbation out of the way. I know, You're right? Like, like, I gotta I be mean, done. That's a big commitment. No, that show was um, probably a year of, dating before before I joined the monastery so that was, sure. that was more like I'm sure allowing myself a, a great year at college but I would say that for me the biggest thing was I mean it was silly things it was like I gave away all my soccer jerseys I'm a huge soccer fan and I called all my friends over and I gave out my soccer jerseys which wow. now I deeply regret because I had to yeah. really iconic soccer jerseys i gave away <laughs> i gave away like my music collection like all the cds and albums that i had at the yeah. time i you know i gave away things like because i was like okay this is what i'm going to do i don't want to have these attachments i don't want to be wow. thinking about these things i'm going to give things away and so i gave away most of my wardrobe i gave away my music collection i gave away wow. anything i could possibly think of i didn't have that much money i gave away whatever money how weird would it be if you showed up today and i was actually wearing one of your outfits I know. that would i mean that <laughs> would be some of your clothes <laughs> but if there's someone out there who is contemplating joining a monastery 
what advice do you have for them? What do you think that they should know before they decide to make the commitment? I'm asking for a friend, obviously. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the first thing, I, the first thank thing you, I'd thank say you, is you have to be really clear on your intention. It was very, it was made very evident to us that monasteries are not a place to escape. They're not a place to remove yourself from material responsibilities. They're not a place for running away from the challenges of life. They're a place of growth and commitment and yeah. evolution. So you don't go there to run away. You go there to grow. And, mm -hmm. and I think that was always made very clear to us that you're not allowed to turn up because you don't want to face the realities of life. Isn't it feeling wow. like at least somebody for me, it's like, oh, it's a cult. Oh, yeah, I get I'm going to go in there. I can never get out. And right. It's nothing <laughs> like it's nothing like that at all. Right. I, I, I don't know. No, no, no. Uh, uh, being, He's like, yes, it is. a yeah, cult, exactly. Sean. <laughs> no, I, He's I, like, Hang on. My red phone is ringing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it was a very I mean, if anything, we were we were more discouraged. Uh, to join because it was said that, you know, you should try and practice spirituality and yeah. meditation in your real and normal life. You don't need yeah. to do this. So if anything, I was going against the grain because yeah. I just thought to myself, when in my life will I ever get three years to just figure myself out? Yeah. College didn't let me do that. School yeah. didn't let me do that. A job definitely isn't going to let me do that. Yeah. Now, so May is Mental Health Awareness Month, yeah, right? Yeah. And I want to ask you why it's so important to you. But to your point about meditation and stuff like that, I think a lot of people in America, and please fill in the blanks here because I'm making this up as I'm going along, but it feels like <laughs> a lot of people in America, they hear the word meditation or mindfulness, which I would ask for you to explain that to me and everybody else listening who doesn't get it. Um, feels like on a, like it's it's not a normal practice in America. It feels foreign. It feels weird. It feels not woo -woo. genuine, right? Yeah, it feels woo-woo kind of whatever, strange. But it's not. And if people could accept it, people are like, well, I work. I can't do this. I have the kids. I have two jobs. I can't. But if you can find even two minutes, three minutes, five minutes of meditation – it does what to your body and what what is mindfulness? Because I think it's I think it is so important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we obviously all know that we live in a fast paced world that where you know we're just constantly overstimulated. There's news, yeah. notifications, negativity, noise, the list goes on. And yeah. within all of that, I think everyone can accept if we asked everyone who's listening to raise their hands if they wish they had more calm and stillness in their life, they would say yes. yes. And then when you follow that up, would you want to do mindfulness? Everyone's hands go down. Go down. Uh, but, what is that? That sounds, <laughs> it also to people, I think sounds lazy or it sounds like, yes. I don't know what that is, you know, whatever. So I consider mindfulness uh, and there's two things, right? Mindfulness and meditation are two different things. Mindfulness is the ability to be aware and present in our current experience. So right now being mindful would be like, I see you, I see you with your glasses. I know you're wearing like a navy blue or a black t-shirt. You've got headphones on. Uh, with Priyanka as well, I can see her natural curly hair. I can see the microphone in front of her. I can see the, the light gray or the, you know, the, the wall behind her. Like I'm, I'm aware, I'm present. I'm actually here with you yes. in body and mind. And what we often experience is a body-mind disconnect. So we've all woken up in the morning when your mind is racing and your body's like, ugh, I just want right. to stay in bed. Or right. we experience the opposite, where you wake up and your body's running around, but your mm -hmm. mind is like, oh, I'm still in bed. And so mm -hmm. we experience That's the body-mind disconnect. Mindfulness is your body and mind in the same place. That's what it actually is. And yeah. I think we'd all agree that we wish our body and minds could be more in the same place because then we wouldn't have the experience of 
being at work thinking about vacation and being on vacation thinking about work. That's yeah, right. Totally. That's right. You know, it's interesting because life outside of the monastery here, we we ge- we tend to use labels to generalize and define people who have these sort of mind body imbalances. And whether you want to label it things like depression or anxiety or bipolar or seasonal affective disorder, or whatever, I- I'm curious about. If from the monastery view, how did the monks sort of view these types of imbalances that we have very clear labels for? Yeah, I would say that there are labels also, and there are more modes or states of being that people can fall into. So uh, mm-hmm. from from like Vedic language, you have uh, Tamas, Rajas, and Sattva. So these mm-hmm. are modes of ignorance, passion, and goodness. Uh And and based on what we're motivated by or what we're feeling. So if we feel high degrees of fear, insecurity, anxiety, these would be us being impacted by the mode of ignorance. Again, we are not ignorant. We are not ignorance, but we are being impacted by the mode of ignorance. Uh, If someone is being motivated by results, validation, success, external, extrinsic motivators, that would be the mode of passion. And then stillness, quality, values, integrity, purpose, these would be the mode of goodness, sattva. And so you still have labeling. It's just that the labeling is more described as three different types of friends uh, and which kind of friends you're making in your life. And the energy or frequency you interact with is like building a relationship with a friend. Yeah. I that's love fascinating. that. Yeah, that's great. Now, as someone who's so public facing, what is your self-care practice? How do you sustain your energies? <laughs> and to that, piggyback on that, that and also not talking about all this stuff. And your brain is just so incredible. What do you do to become unmindful? <laughs> like, do you play video games? What do you do to check out? Yeah, what is your self-care practice? Yeah, so yeah. I, I'm going to be very, very honest with you. So my, I'm really excited about this evening because I've had a really busy year, it feels like, at this point. Uh, but tonight, I'm spending the evening on my own. That's a big part of my self-care practices. I need huh. time alone. Uh, I, I regenerate and energize from being alone after having, you know, such a public life and always being out and about. Uh, I definitely, to Sean's point, when I do get the time, I love video games, primarily sport, <laughs> sport video games. Of course you do, yeah. I grew up in England, so I'm a big football soccer fan. And so yeah. any sort of watching soccer, playing soccer... I've I picked up playing pickleball uh, in the evenings at the moment, loving pickleball. Can't stand pickles. Yeah. <laughs> but if there's a cucumber ball, I'm in. <laughs> uh, I love I love anything sport-based, anything that's sport-based, team-based. I mean, that's where I like to lose my mind and, and allow myself to drop into that. Uh, but but my big self-care is, you know, on, on a more simpler attempts would be great sleep. Like to yeah. me, a good yeah. night's sleep can do wonders. The best. Uh, I, I think that's what I'm always encouraging people to do is sleep a bit better. Uh, and I'm a big fan when it is possible for spas, massages, and, and yes. pampering. Like, so I'm like, I love that. Yeah. Do you always fall asleep in the massage? Uh, I do. I do, generally. I do. Yeah. And then you do this because you're embarrassed. I get embarrassed when I fall asleep, and I'll do this. Uh-huh. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I'm not supposed to fall asleep. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Does anybody need me? <laughs> Wait, I also have one question. So what kind of food did you eat when you lived in the monastery? Very, oh. it's it's very, very simple plant-based diet. So you're eating uh-huh. a lot of, I mean, kitcheries is a traditional dish. You're eating a lot of curries. You're eating just a lot of vegetables. So yeah, very, very simple diet. My right. God, I would love that. And you yeah. couldn't like bring your own Tabasco or anything like <laughs> no, that. No, I'm allowed to bring Tabasco, no hot yeah. sauce, no tomato people ketchup. Don't, people I, don't sneak, people I, don't I, sneak in like a Burger King. I had to leave 
I had to leave my baked beans behind. Um, yeah. The first, the first thing I did when I left the monastery was eat a big slab of Cadbury's dairy milk. Like you know, oh uh, that really? Was, that was one of my. Oh, I missed chocolate for three years. I'm I'm, I'm plant based now, so I don't eat um, uh-huh. milk chocolate anymore. But at that time, I was like missing. Cho- I didn't eat chocolate. I didn't eat practically eat sugar for three years, like refined sugars. And wow. Stuff. Oh my god. And Jay, what about your ancestry? Where? What part of India is your family from? Yeah. So my mom's actually born and raised in Yemen. So. Oh wow. Okay. To, to keep her British passport when Yemen got its independence, she moved to England when she was mm. 16 years old. Uh, wow. She speaks Arabic and primarily Yemeni culture, but she's North Indian. And wow. My my father is from Southern India, Mangalore. Mm. Uh, and he grew up in Pune before he moved over to London uh, when he married my mom. Uh, Priyanka, do any of those words make sense to you? I mean, yes, I recognize everything you say. <laughs> I'll explain it to you later, Sean. Okay, thank you. Oh, north and great. South. North and, I'm, I'm North and South. That, that makes okay. it easy. North and South. <laughs> I love it. You probably get asked this question a lot, but maybe for me and for some of our listeners, you know, we've all been dealing with crazy stress and anxieties these past three years and just pick a topic and it's filled yeah. with crazy crap. Politics, religion, sex, the society, the rules, the pandemic, just everything. Mm-hmm. And so... What are some of the, what's some advice that you have for dealing with that other than this, the obvious ones and important ones, which is meditation? I, I mean, I'd say one of the biggest piece of advice is limiting our interaction with news and notification first thing in the morning. So, yes. you know, 80% of us studies show, look at our phones first thing in the morning and last thing at night, which means we see it before we see our partners and our kids in the morning and after we see our partners and kids at night. So your phone gets mm. more FaceTime than the people yeah. you love. And, and to me, what's really fascinating is that I believe that the first thought of the day is so important in setting the tone of the day. And the last yeah. thought of the day is so important in setting the tone for the next day. Oh, that's it. So how do you do that? And like, so what do you, you mean? select like, your first thought. And there's many ways of doing this. So my favorite, one of my favorite ways is I often write a question on a post-it note and stick it to my bedside table. And the question could be, what are you grateful for? The question could be, what's one thing you're really proud of? And so the first thing I see in the morning is a question that sparks a thought. Yes, uh, but you coming up with that question means you probably know the answer. Or, or, or allowing myself to come up with one in the morning, right? Something, what are you most excited yeah. for? And I may not know that in that moment. Oh, that's really cool. So, so I, or, or what am I grateful for? I mean, I'm not aware of what I'm grateful for every morning, but if I have that yeah. question there, I can also say that to some people, it's reading a quote or reading an affirmation, yes, reading a yes. paragraph of your favorite book. I think, mm. I think being selective about two thoughts a day, the first thought of your day and the last thought of the day can make a massive difference because the problem is, most yeah. of our thoughts are selected for us by what yeah. we what we watch that's and right what we listen to and so i would rather so we true. select two thoughts a day that's all i'm asking you know what i got a while ago which i'm yeah. going to do now because you're here and you're talking to me <laughs> is i got this bag you can buy it's like two dollars this little pouch with like a thousand little strips of paper in it and you pull it out and it says focus on something that day like i like love you're saying, that like grateful yeah so maybe i'll keep that by my bed and just pick one out every single day because i've never even used it yeah but yeah, i love I'm it sure it's it's better than bothering Scotty all night the way you always do. <laughs> or in the morning. I don't watch the news. He watches the news every single morning. I'm like, I can't. I can't do it. It's yeah. true. I love that you just said most of the thoughts are 
put into our brains. Like, it's so interesting. And you yeah, know what, totally. what else I talked to Scotty about, too, is he'll watch the news and get upset about whatever's on there. And it's like we can all constantly get upset with everything we're seeing, but there's nothing we can do about it other than vote. I mean, this isn't a political podcast, but vote whatever you want, right, left, center, wherever your your beliefs lie. But to get upset about something you can't change in the moment, yeah. it's just a waste of time and energy. Yeah. You know? And I'd say that when you can, I think where, where we're losing a lot of energy is we see a big problem and we think if we can't do something big, then it doesn't matter. And, and I right. think yeah. one of the biggest challenges in a society today is we haven't created a service contribution-based mindset. And if we recognize that, hey, if I have an issue with something, even if I can do a tiny thing about it, I'm going to yeah. feel better and it's going to improve someone's life. Yes, so yes, yes. Being a tiny part of the solution is better than anything, to be honest. Yeah, um, Maria Shriver is a really good friend yes, of mine. Yes, yeah, really I love close. Maria. Yeah, she's awesome. She's one of the best humans I've ever known. And she said to me a long, long time ago, <laughs> I was bitching about something that was on the news or something. And she goes, yeah, it's awful, isn't it? And I go, yeah. She goes, so what are you doing about it? Yes, yeah. And I was like, oh! <gasps> It stopped me in my tracks. She's like, <laughs> instead of bitching about it, what are you doing? Like, lend a helping hand, do something, yeah. you know, uh, to to help the situation. You know, just want to add from a medical perspective, you know, the brain structure actually changes when we engage in a practice of practicing gratitude, shifting our thinking from a negative to a positive uh, way, it actually does change the neuroplasticity of the brain. So, and that will obviously affect our health too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've read so many studies showing how even people who are experiencing depression, how their depression decreases mm -hmm. with the simple act of supporting others. And so I think the idea that contribution and service being added to all of our lives, even in a, you know, half an hour a week, uh, an mm -hmm. hour a week could make a huge difference. I love yeah, that. Jay, totally. I was going to ask you about your, um, your favorite ER story that where you winded up in the emergency room. But have you ever gotten like sick or something like, like oh. you know, this is a, something yeah. really gross. <laughs> oh. It's a medical podcast. Yeah, it's so a medical happened? podcast. Yeah, no, no, no. Share their medical stories. I would say, I mean, I dislocated my wrist growing up. I, Boring. Yeah, that's what I'm like. I would say the hardest thing for me because of my, I got, I ended up getting polyps in my throat, had to get them lasered out. They were Whoa. pedunculated, so they were so large that I practically lost my voice <gasps> for months afterwards and had to eat through a straw for, for a few months after. What? And then I had to what? get vocal coaching back to get my, to train my voice back. Um, this is before you became a life coach or this was while you were working this as is a life about, coach? This is about 10 years ago now. So this is before my current career. and uh -huh. Yeah, before this oh, stage of my life. And so going through that, and the first time I spoke again, my voice was really soft and it wasn't, you know, back to being how it is now. Oh, this and, is better. This is better. And so, yeah, it just, it was really strange. It was a really tough thing. And I actually lost a lot of confidence. I remember my vocal mm. folks telling me that people who don't have a strong voice or, or don't have use of their voice can often be more naturally quiet in group settings and become less mm. social and not want to spend time with people. And I went through all of that where it was, you know, a really wow. fascinating experience, especially because my doctors kept missing it. They were just like, you just have a sore throat for eight mm -hmm. months. Do you know what caused it? Yeah. They said it was a few things. One of it was um, acid reflux. So a lot of it was yeah. like, oh, from, like wow. acid from my gut. Uh, oh, and then wow. the other thing was the overuse. I mean, even now, like of my vocal cords of yeah. talking too much, basically. So yeah. it was, it was yeah. the universe trying wow. to shut up a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> 
It was. <laughs> don't don't ever shut up. You're too smart. Oh You're too goodness. interesting. No, no, no. I love Honestly, it. it was a great lesson in learning how many words were valuable. I remember I mm, used to write. Wow. I I had a whiteboard that I'd wear around my neck and write words on it to my mom and my family to to tell them what I was saying. Like literally, that's how I was communicating. From wow. Birth. How old were you? Uh, this is uh, probably like twenty five. No, twenty four. Yeah, twenty four. Wow, oh, wow, that's pretty traumatic. That's wild. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, I don't. I think a lot of people who sing or play wind instruments. I think polyps are fairly common for singers, and it affects their life. Yeah, for in a sure. Way. But I think for me, it was. Yeah, it was a unique experience, at least. I don't know how. It wasn't painful. Wow. You with a whiteboard around your neck <laughs> is like a comedy dream to me. <laughs> what I what I could write on there and draw on there that would be a dream. This is that. also just a really random question, just because of the research that I do at UCSF. But did psychedelics ever play a role in your journey of self discovery and and kind of self growth? Not not for me personally. I um I never really gravitated towards that direction. I have today clients and people in my life who was asking me about them. I I usually refer to Dr. Daniel Amen, who's a clinical neuroscientist. Yeah. Who I mm-hmm. yeah. who I always check with how he thinks these things affect the brain. Um, which I really appreciate his perspective on things, but it was never my thing. In Limitless, there's this great, uh, the movie, there's this great conversation between Robert De Niro and Bradley Cooper. And Robert De Niro says, you don't have to deal with this ability. You flaunt it around like you're a kid because you never had to earn it. And I find something really fascinating about uh, altered state experiences that you haven't created for yourself. I Uh think when you are able to create an altered state or experience, by the power of your own consciousness and energy, right, right. Uh, you have a different behavior and experience towards it. So that's the way I was totally. trained. So I'm kind of yeah. biased that way, but I'm not against like I'm not against the experience of psychedelics or. What about other experiences that can lead to altered states of consciousness, like holotropic breath work? Have you ever experienced that? What are your thoughts on yeah, that? Or, or watching any, or watching any of my work? Go yeah, ahead. I mean that, that too. Yeah, I mean it's pretty I'm, transcendental. I'm, I'm yet to be able to find the words you want to describe. Oh, good but, luck. Uh, but no, I, th- I think breath work um, is is, uh, is such a powerful way to have altered states of experiences. I think the ones that I've been most fascinated by researching, I've not had one of these myself. But it's actually what people have had with near-death experiences or out-of-body experiences. I find those fascinating to read. There's a great great book called Old Souls by Ian Stevenson, where he talks about people's uh, near-death experiences and out-of-body experiences. And I find that. Remote. I do too. I'm mm. endlessly fascinated because they all are different, but have similar threads. I mean, yeah, totally. there's something yeah. to it. There's something yeah. to it. Jay, are you ready for a game? Yeah, I love games. I'm, I'm massively into gamifications. Okay, 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 great. So it's called Dr. Wally's Hall of Fame. You're each going to get three questions and I'll give you possible points for creativity if you don't know the answer. So take a wild guess. Sean, you are up first. Ready? What? Yes. Okay. First question. In the field of education and medicine, what does PhD stand for? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, well, I know the last one is doctorate. Okay. Okay. PhD. PhD is a physical uh, <laughs> hypochondriac doctor. No, what is it? I don't know. I'll give you a point for creativity, but it's doctor of philosophy. It PhD. is? Yes, it is. Well, not all doctors are philosophers. That's PhD. MD would be oh, that's right, doctorate doctor. of medicine. Okay, yes. got it. Okay, and question two for Sean. In Taylor Swift's song, oh, God. All Too Well, 
What item of clothing did she leave at her ex-sister's house? I mean, why? Because I'm gay? Why would I know that? (laughs) I have no idea. You want to hint the song is rumored to be about Jake Gyllenhaal. So what's the question again? What did, what did she leave le- What she leave Yeah, behind? what item of clothing did she leave at her, well, her ex-sister's house? Her underwear or bra or something. That is incorrect. It was her scarf. <laughs> oh, who cares? But I mean, really? Nice These are really okay. tough okay. questions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, third question for Sean. On Parks and Rec, you guest starred as Bobby Wood, a TV host who interviews <laughs> Leslie Nope. What government position was Leslie running for? Mayor. That is incorrect. It was city yeah. councilor. Well, that's close. So you have gotten zero out of three questions, right, for this Excellent. round? Excellent. I got I'm half a point. Sean. Okay. Half a point for doctorate. Okay, I'll give you a half a creative point. Yeah. All right, Jay, uh, your turn. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, first question. What does the medical term chronic mean? Um, I, I mean, I'm going to totally... Uh, ongoing, consistent, uh, yeah. continuous... I'll give you that. It's essentially a condition that develops and worsens over a period of time. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that's... Okay. Second question. Which former player is Manchester United's all-time leading goal scorer? Uh, Wayne Rooney. That is correct. Okay, third question. Who was the first guest on your podcast on purpose? My wife. That's true. That's an easy one. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's so true. sweet. Okay, I love we that. We have a clear winner, Jay. You I, I, I feel like the, com- the questions became a yes. lot easier for me. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank I, you. I, 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 defi- I, I really don't like games being rigged. So I feel, yes. I feel like I've yeah. been, you know. Like- well, it's not like we're rigging elections. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. You know what isn't rigged? Your philosophy, your work. Thank you so much for sharing everything. I mean, yes. it's just so impressive. Thank Jay, you. Jay, thank you for being here. You, you, I could talk to you for hours. I think it's fascinating what you do. Uh, no, you're, you're both so wonderful. Thank you so much for allowing me to win the competition. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, Thanks, it's such pal. a pleasure to meet you. I hope I get to meet you both in person someday soon. Honestly. Likewise, yeah, absolutely. likewise. Thank you for sharing oh. your experiences. Thank you. Thanks, Jay. Thanks so All right. Bye. Ciao. Bye. I mean, wow, right? see, that's the kind of that's the kind of person I could talk to for nine hours straight. I know. And you know what? He seems so sweet. He probably would talk for nine hours. Yeah. I wish I had asked him about how he sets boundaries. Darn. Missed that. Oh, that's OK. Well, well, let's call him back. Yeah. <laughs> There's a boundary broken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ta- oh, I'll ta- he's like, I'll tell you how I set boundaries. Stop yeah. calling me. <laughs> no, but he's great. Those are the kinds of people I could talk for hours because it's all about improving yourself as a human being yeah. and, and how you can give back. I just love how insightful he is and those kinds of people are that are yeah. in that field, you know? You know what's so inspiring? Like, we are all works in progress. We yeah. all have things that we can work on. We all have areas of growth. And so it's it doesn't exclude anyone. It's like you're never done healing or you're never done yeah. doing the work on yourself. That's it's right. an ongoing process. And, and it really ends when your life ends that's yeah. otherwise as long as you're alive and breathing you're always doing the work on improving yourself yeah oh i love that mm. because nobody ever achieves perfection no if you're good you're always trying to make yourself better well the thing is as long as you're a human being you're yeah. gonna be imperfect that's the law what about the people who don't try to improve themselves well i mean they're just in for a longer ride right they're just Ooh. in a 
Denial like- is a very powerful thing, but I think if if you're open to living life, you're going to be open to always improving yourself. Ooh, I love that. We're going to leave everybody on that. <laughs> I love that, Priyanka. Move aside on purpose. You got hypochondria. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Thank you so much to our callers, Andrea and Kara. Thanks again. Until next time, don't worry. Be healthy. Bye. Bye. Hypochondria Actor is a Hazy Mills production hosted by me, Sean Hayes, and Dr. Priyanka Wally. Rebecca Eisenberg and Todd Milliner are our executive producers. Production and editing is by Rabbit Grin Productions. Original music by Scott Eisenogle and Leo Rosner. This is a Hazy Mills production. All content discussed on Hypochondriactor are the individual opinions of Dr. Priyanka Wally and Sean Hayes and should not be construed as personalized medical advice. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Please consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast.